Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff Drzezemski, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe with Tom Dorian. Good day, sir. So good to have you here, and uh, here. and Ziggy's not here. Oh wait, no, he is. <laughs> I've appeared. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. It's a miracle. Turned no, sideways. When yes, Sam Ziggy Rodriguez is here. I'm so glad that both of you guys are here. Uh, as we continue down this, we have a little journey going here. We do. It's fun. Uh, yeah, the seven sorrows of Mary devotion that we're kind of uh, focusing on each one of the sorrows. And, and really, just in a nutshell, kind of how they apply to our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, just how we kind of, sometimes we look at scripture or we look at a devotion and we just do it at face value. Mm-hmm. We say the words and we think that we've participated in a, in, a, in a beautiful and full way. And to some degree, we do. When yeah. we participate in the devotion, but then sometimes it's good to sort of meditate or to go deeper and and and, and kind of experience that um, that devotion in a more profound way, because then it also opens up for other avenues for the the Holy Spirit to sort of expand our spiritual horizons. Well, and it also helps us grow in appreciation and love for our Blessed Mother and her love for us and the sorrows that have beset her heart, um, both. You know, especially through Christ's passion, but, you know, throughout his life and and continuing and through today. Right. And, you know, a lot of times we don't because we this is beautiful because we don't usually always think of the Blessed Mother as sorrowful. Right. Right. I mean, and and although we've we've talked about it and uh, and why these seven sorrows and what they are as we're well, we'll, we will have talked about all seven. (laughs) And you see that there's a profound sorrow there. But I, I think we should spend a minute and just talk about. Uh, the Blessed Mother's capacity for sorrow. Oh yeah, right. Because it, all this stuff is is uh, there's this overarching kind of thing about like is this just tragedy that befalls Mary and and like woe is Mary and Mary is miserable and part of God's plan of salvation was that she would be miserable and that's not what's going on here, right? There's something beautiful about. You know, we we in our Catholic faith know about redemptive suffering and and Christ dying on the cross for us. But we don't often start stop and think about how we can participate in that unless we're fully, uh, I guess, engaged in redemptive suffering. But then also to understand that Mary, for her part, was essentially prepared mm-hmm. for all of this suffering. Mm-hmm. And so her immense sorrow in these seven sorrows is something that actually benefits us. Well, <clears throat> Mary, you know, she she was uh, she's called the Immaculata by saints like Saint Maximilian Kolbe, emphasizing you know her immaculate conception and she being spared original sin. She's perfect in virtue. Yeah, and I think a lot of people it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that and be like, oh, that sounds like she's a very fine person. You know what I right. mean? But like, but actually, like to being perfect in virtue, like so she actually has she's been built in her interior life with like perfect shock absorption, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. You, you think of like a machine that is created and like, oh, it has highly rated shock absorption. It means it can take all kinds of damage and it can still function just fine. And she has within her heart, by virtue of her perfect virtue, she has this perfect interior shock absorption. Because when we get upset, when we get wounded, when life hits us hard, we have defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms. You know, sometimes we shut down, shut things out. We break down, go completely numb, go into shock. 
shop. We compartmentalize things. Um, we sometimes we don't want to deal with things or think about right, things. We get, we get stuck. We get stuck big right. time. That didn't happen to her. And so imagine this. Like, basically, she by being perfect in virtue, her immaculate heart, it was created literally to be able to break over and over again. And, you know, and this includes when we turn away from God. You know, there's a... Yeah, so I mean, it, 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 like, there's something that's powerful. You know, God, he has made, he's chosen and giving us free will. He's chosen to make himself, in a way, helpless over how we use our will. Yeah. You know, he has cho- chosen to make himself helpless over whether he's not going to force us to love, receive his love or love him back or love others or love ourselves. He's going to pour his grace out upon us, but it's upon, it's on us to turn and receive, turn to him and receive that grace. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet all the time, whenever we sin and we sin every day, we are turning away from God. Well, our blessed mother, she's not just the mother of Jesus. She's the mother of all of us, of all humanity. And so she, and she's outside of time. And she's got this heart with this perfect shock absorption and her sharing in that helplessness that God's created upon himself. She, it sorrows her heart when we sin. And so that's one of the things that's really beautiful and powerful about this devotion, because we are bringing sorrows upon her heart. And by taking the time to compassionate her heart and compassionate her engagement of this, it helps us to understand her and this mother who loves Jesus. Yes, but loves us with such perfection that it's truly impossible for us to fathom. But she desires to, you know, when she's sorrowing over our heart, she's not wanting to walk away from us. She's mm. wanting to embrace us with our with her love. So time out, Sam. Okay. My closest, one of my closest friends, Protestant, one of the greatest Christians of all time, Woodrow. Woodrow is going to say, wait a second, Mary's feeling that now? What's up with that? Okay, well, first of all, she, answer that? she was assumed into heaven. Of course, that's going to be hard for Woodrow. Mm-hmm. Um, can we call him Woody? I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know him. Only Tom can call him Woody. <laughs> He'll go by that. He goes by a lot. <laughs> How about Dro? <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That's his rap name. <laughs> no, but uh, so, well, first of all, obviously, uh, he, Woodrow probably doesn't believe that she was bodily assumed into heaven. And so there right. are certain things. She, and he probably doesn't believe that she was conceived without sin. So there's longer conversations that we'd have to right. have with Woodrow, right? Um, I will say I would encourage him to look at the ancient Greek and how she was greeted by the angel, Kakarathomeni, you know, okay. saying that you, saying you who were, are, and uh, always will be fully graced is basically how she was right. greeted by the angel before Jesus ever was conceived in her womb, okay. right? All right. Um, Another but, show. Another yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's also, it's, she's outside of time along with all the other saints. So that's, I think, a big thing uh, yeah, to keep in mind as well. Everything happened, is happening, and will happen kind of all at the same time. Right. Think about the uh, about the Mass. You know, right. and, and we see it as a, a representation mm-hmm. of the once and for all sacrifice. So there was one sacrifice, but it's still ongoing. That mm-hmm. sacrifice is still ongoing for all eternity. Right. Right. And that's hard to fathom. Very difficult. Right. Because even for a lot of Catholics. Right. So our separated brothers and sisters would see that sacrifice in the past. Mm-hmm. Like it happened. Right. And because of that, the gates were opened. And yes, that's true, except it's still happening. Right. And it makes it apply, the graces still apply to today. Mm-hmm. And so the graces in the redemptive suffering, the graces of compassionating Mary, 
and the fact that she's our mother and it's not lost on us it shouldn't be lost on us that the holy father uh, essentially announced that mary mother of the church is a thing and it's and, and we need to we need to recognize that mary is our mother now and so our mother doesn't ever cease to be our mother right so she's it's so it's a it's so it's a ongoing thing and in revelation 12 uh, when it says that you know the devil couldn't get to the woman or her child it couldn't get to the woman because of her immaculate conception couldn't get to the woman or her child which is jesus so it went after her offspring and who are her offspring according to revelation book 12 it's those who uh, follow Jesus and obey his commandments. Well, those are Christians. So that's Revelation 12. That doesn't just give her a crown. It also names her ostensibly mother of all Christians. And so this is also what we're getting at here. Yeah, he sounded a little triumphalistic in his tone there. <laughs> so don't don't talk to don't talk to Dro that way. <laughs> talk to Dro. Saint that Joseph way. asked me to. He's like, hey, you're talking about. <laughs> oh, now now he's invoking the terror of demons. All right, okay, all right. So let's let's talk about this uh, the the third sorrow of Mary losing the Christ child in Jerusalem for three days. Now this is this is uh, based on the Bible verse or the the the, the Bible the story out of out of Luke. Uh, starting with uh, verse 41 of the second chapter. And I'll just, I'll just read it uh, real quickly here. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the company, they were in the company, they went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. And when they did not f- find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you tre- treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. So so there's a key there that, that she kept all these things in her heart. Oh, yeah. So as we're talking of the sorrows of Mary, these are things that... It's not like, hey, remember that time we lost Jesus for three days? Right. That was something else. You know, they tell that at the family reunion every year or whatever. You know, it's not like just some story from the past. Yeah. She kept this in her heart. So if there was a sorrow there, which I'm imagining, if we're compassionating Mary, that all of us, I mean, have 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 lost something that was treasured by us, mm-hmm. especially we're talking about a child. Oh, yeah. Tom, I, I don't know about you, but uh, you know I've got nine kids. I bet you lost one or two. Uh, every one of the kids can tell a story <laughs> about me. <laughs> oh, every nine? every oh my all gosh. nine of them. They all got wow. stories. We only have two out of five. You know, the, a few of them maybe it was just I dropped them. You know, or let one <laughs> I let one of them walk out of the van and and he broke his mouth open. He just walked right on out. You know, you know. But like we left one at a pizza restaurant. We left. We, you know, we we have left our kids behind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, miscalculated the trajectory of the catapult. Didn't realize where he was no, going. <laughs> no, I, I will say that none of them was for three days. Right. You yeah, know, an hour, an hour is traumatizing. For okay, a parent, but, right? but five minutes was traumatizing. Right. Yeah. You know, when we when one of, one of our kids like he we were at a pizza restaurant and like it's like I'm going to the restroom. Yes. Okay. He's going. Everyone know he's going to the restroom, which is fine. He goes to the restroom. We've paid. We're in the we're in the van, and we're driving away. 
you know and and we you know we used to do a like a roll call I don't, big families do that you yeah. know sound off you know and the kids and then they'll start joking and they'll kind of you know right. kevin's not here or whatever and they'll start doing right. that kind of joking stuff and we didn't really know until at some point you know my wife best realized hey he's not in here oh wow and it's like oh no kevin yeah <laughs> that is a horrible feeling it is terrible yeah. because because then you're thinking about this sweet little innocent child yeah. suffering coming out and realizing the table's empty oh probably running to the parking lot and realizing the big red van is Gone. not there right and then now suddenly his parents don't love him anymore was they he traumatized when he got back you know what? Or was he uh, like another slice of pizza? Uh, <laughs> you know, kids are resilient. They're made out of rubber. You know, he, he <laughs> bounced back. But that's still something that, like, uh, I'll just say it this way. Bess and I held that in our heart. <laughs> I'm sure. For a very long time. And, and all of our kids will have a story they'll tell. That's great. You know, and we all laugh about it when we talk about it. But the reality is, deep down inside, there's oh, still a sorrow there. Oh, yeah. Well, when you're a parent, you're duty bound to protect your children, right? Yeah. So there, you, to fulfill that duty, you need to be able to have some degree of control, like telling your kid, "Make sure you're home by six, or make sure you call me when you get to your friend's house, or call me if you're going any, anybody anywhere else." Well, so in moments like this sorrow, especially when a child is lost for three days, there's a complete loss of all control, and you're helpless to protect someone who you love, someone who's also helpless. Yeah, right. absolutely. You know. And it's and I, I know that most of our families out there have. Uh, I mean, I just we got a great family that was here at the parish, you know, that left their kid behind, and they were so embarrassed because I, you know, helped call for them, and I'm standing there with their little kids, like You're talking about us. No, this was not you. This, <laughs> I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to say their names, but it was the McBrides, and and uh, and so. They're, <laughs> So like, it rhymes with yeah. smoke, right? So, so, so Jim, Jim, yeah, Jim, you know, Jim was like, I am so embarrassed. It's like, let me just tell you, well, I got stories for each one of my kids. It right. happens. It's just part of life. But they, you feel so bad about I think that. Losing a losing a child at a church at a parish is a whole lot better than a pizza joint. Well, that's you? a that's a good point. That's a, yeah. that. But still, you're leaving the kid behind. Well, they. <laughs> They got home before they realized they were they were missing their little altar server. You know? That happened, the exact same thing happened to us. Yeah, the exact same thing. Yeah, so it's it's two cars that day. We split the family up. We get home. We got lunch going, and all of a sudden we look around like, whoop, whoop, uh -oh, something's not missing. right. <laughs> exactly. Well, so but you know, here's the thing, um, Sam. You don't have any kids. No. But I would imagine that there still can be a sort of a tragic loss or a sense of helplessness. Oh yeah. Of something that you're guarding, protecting, whatever's important to you and and you can still compassionate in that way with mary i i, I can things that come to mind I've, I've known people who were in the throes of extremely serious drug addictions including uh, a friend who actually died from it mm. years and years ago that was terrible um i knew uh, i've known you know women who were stuck in domestic violence situations and you have the conversation with them i mean statistically it actually takes like seven times for a woman who's in a in the throes of a domestic violence situation, she'll leave seven times and go back. Leave seven times, go back because they're they're trapped in a cycle of abuse. And you, as a part of her support network, you want her out that first time, right? And you, in a, to an extent, you almost personalize it. It feels like you failed when you're trying to get that person out of that situation, and they keep going back. And God trained my heart, Sam. You have to let go. You you're doing your part. To make this person available that she deserves better, but I remember one time I I uh, there's a song by Lauren Daigle Rescue, and I was in the throes of, you know, helping a friend talk through this situation, 
And that song came on, and I just completely lost it. I just started bawling, and it just hit me so hard. You know, it's 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 this, the one of the chorus is basically "I will rescue you," mm-hmm. and I just felt like that's what God desires to send to say to this young woman. And so I sent her that song. I said, "I think this is the song that God wants, and this is the message that God wants to send to your heart." And I wept like a baby. Uh, praying for her to receive that message from God and and have that faith that God wanted better for her, wanted to mm. break her out of this very serious situation. But at the end of the day, I was completely helpless. I've also been completely helpless. I've had people close to me who have expressed suicidal ideations and desires to commit right. to And these their are lives. people that you care about. Yes. Um, and even if they're not your child, they're people you care about and you want to protect and you feel sort of duty-bound to do that. And yeah. then, and then uh, you... you you don't control the situation. You want you want to be able to pull the drugs out of their their hands. You want to be able to pull you know to to keep them free from the risk of suicide. But the fact is, you have to be in touch with the fact that you are helpless in that situation. Right. And to turn everything upside down, you know, uh, with a parent losing their child, you know, uh, I'm, I think about the same kind of helplessness as I sat next to my mom who was dying in the hospital. Oh yeah. We, I, mean, I just lost her uh, just this last December. It was mm. just. And just to watch her just to, to, I mean, fade away to just, and I'm like, there's no buttons I could push. There's no special, it was just, it was just, everything was going downhill. And it was a, uh, there's a sense of helplessness where I can't control this. And and I would imagine if a person who doesn't have a faith life. Oh gosh. That's, that's, it's just a, you know, that's a tragic place to be. And then plus. I then become the, you know, so I'm watching my mom pass away, right? But then as I'm, as I'm struggling with this, there's also this sense of helplessness, but then I'm gifted by the fact that my wife then sort of be, in sort of a, uh, a maternal way starts to care for her husband. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's, it's just interesting to see the dynamics in all these uh, situations, but how um, I, I kind of wish I was a, had been practicing the the devotion of the seven sorrows of Mary maybe sure. at that moment, and I can see the value of that, right? What what that would have been in my life at that time, and so it's certainly going to be on the forefront. And and I should also mention uh, I'll mention again uh, Laura who sent us an email last time and was talking about and and she sent me an email of thanks um, oh, uh, from nice. uh, Mount Carmel, Connecticut, and she. And she was saying that she's gonna she's gonna start doing this. Oh wow! Good. Right, so it's, it's like th- all of all of us. I mean, if we're praying for peace in our life, if we really are are struggling, uh, you know, and and then it's particularly in, in in this losing the Christ child in Jerusalem for three days, this third uh, sorrow of Mary, um, if we feel like we're helpless and in, in that situation, this is the perfect devotion for you. I hope Laura sends some uh, follow up to that. How it's working out? Oh, oh yeah, uh, uh, that'd be uh, cool. Uh, Laura, Laura you, yeah, that's your that's your homework. <laughs> and one thing that comes to mind, you know, we were talking earlier about you know the perfect shock absorption that our blessed mother has in her in her in her immaculate heart, and that's a hundred percent true. There's no question, you know, that that's the that part of what what comes with being built in perfect virtue. But here's the thing, guys, it's stuff like this still takes the physical toll on a person. So think about this. She's let's put ourselves in her shoes. She's losing the Christ child for three days, so she loses him on the first day. Was Our Lady able to sleep that first night? You know, and then and then what about the second night? I mean, had, when when they finally found him, had she had two straight nights of 
no sleep. I mean, I, I wonder that because at the oh, absolutely because yeah, because it's not this is not a you know people talk in terms of worry as, as like right. a, a sin. You know, don't you know? She, this is not sinful worry. This is vigilance. This is love. This is her well, desire. She, she, she said that that she and Joseph were anxious. Well, in some translations, another one. It, it, so in the and the translation you just read, yes, and and like the Dewey Rames translation, it says it sorrow. It actually says it literally says it sorrowed our oh, hearts. So man. it depends on okay. the right. The right. It depends on the you know. Well, I, I don't. It's all just Greek to me. So. How, however you say it, it, it weighed heavy upon their hearts. Right, ex- and that would keep them from sleeping. Although oh. Joseph, if he was a regular guy, he could probably sleep. He does some of his best work while sleeping. <laughs> he, actually he, does. Does. <laughs> he actually does. That's when he gets. That's when yeah. the angel of the Lord comes to him. So, but but if she was up those times, you know, it was it was for those two nights. It was love that was keeping her up. It was a desire yes. to pour her whole self into finding him. And and I think that's an important thing to think about as well. If we're compassionating with the sorrow, thinking about times in our lives when loving somebody took a physical toll on us, a, yeah. a mother. You know, hello, any mother going through nine months of carrying her child and going through labor, that's an easy example. Well, then also, we should <laughs> yeah. we should understand that, like, if we uh, extrapolate from that, it, that she cared so much about Jesus, loved him so much that she lost sleep over him, that also, as mother of the church, as our mother, she's there to lose sleep over us. Yes. Right? That she will, when we, when we need her, we call upon her. Right. Right? Because she is, uh, she's made for this. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you you bring up an interesting point, you know, in terms of the uh, the uh, translation difference, you know. But there's a there's I think a lot of ways in which the translation that is primarily promulgated, like on the USCCB USCCB website and the Dewey Reams translation. Right. In this particular Dewey, Dewey Reams, uh, there's another one. We're so used to hearing. I guess you're. Are you going to the house thing? Yeah, I, yeah. I was. So there's, I was. A, there's you know, <laughs> you know, it's like there's there's we've we've heard this so many times. Um, uh, you know, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? We've heard that over and over again, and we've always likened the house to being the church and being like, you know, we picture ourselves in that structure. But interestingly, when you go back to the Greek and you look at the Douay Reims uh, translation, it says something different. It does. And by the way, it's funny, though, because like this is both one of her sorrows, just like the first sorrow. It's a sorrow and it's a joyful mystery, right? And so, like, there's sorrow and joy overlapping yeah. here, right? And if you read like the, the the version you read earlier, it's almost like a there's a levity and a joy with Jesus's reply. Don't you know I must be in my Father's house? It's not. It's almost like it's a witty. There's a, right. wit, a wittiness to it, right? Uh, whereas the Dewey Reams translation, yeah, don't you know that I must be at in my father at my father's business? Yeah, so you know, yeah, did you not know I must be about my father's business? About my father's business. And also, I think another uh, translation says affairs. The, yes. the, the Greek interlinear Bible, you know, I'm, I read that every night. And uh, in it, <laughs> and it says about my father's affairs. So affairs or business. Yes. And I, and that's I saw another, a di- interesting translation. That's a very different translation. And, and really what it's, because I think here we see an overlap between the, the because your first thought is, Okay, the sorrow is when he's gone, and then the joyful mystery picks up when she finds him. But actually, there's an overlap where there's jo- joy and sorrow mixed with this response of, uh, don't you know us be about my father's business? Because that messaging, what that's saying is, like, if we're going back to what we were talking about before, that Mary has a, a duty to protect um, Jesus, and that if Jesus is saying, don't you know us be about my father's business? You know, at the end of the day, her sorrow, having that helplessness of, of trying to 
in, in exercising that duty, right? Because he's gone. Well, it could be Jesus saying to her, our father is the one who has lordship over me. Mm-hmm. And you must be prepared that I will not, you will not be in, have that control that you may want. You will not be able to prevent things from happening to me that yeah. you may want. And that our father is the one who has lordship. Don't you know I must be about my father's business? And it says that she kept these words in her heart. And I think that that... If you think about it, she's carrying those words in her heart through his passion, uh, through the crucifixion narrative that we'll get in with the subsequent sorrows. I think it's important for us to also keep these words in our heart as we pray through the additional sorrows. Yeah, and think think about the... uh uh, the long-suffering mothers out there, right? Yes. When their kids don't end up the way they're supposed to, when they're struggling in certain ways in their lives or whatever, and just struggling the, with them being gone from the church. Yeah, uh, it's just there's it's a, a big deal. There's, but then there's also the bittersweet thing. You know, my wife and I recently attended a, sort of a, a sending off party for a young man who's going join, going to seminary. Uh, and what a beautiful, you know, he's answering, saying yes to vocation, to discerning further this vocation. Uh, and is going off to religious life. And interestingly, uh, Bess said that uh, uh, she was talking to the mom, and the mom said, you know, kind of casually, kind of, or to the side, like, yeah, I was kind of hoping he would have taken the diocesan path. Mm. You know, because then there's like, you know, the di- in the diocese. Reach out and the, the, touch him. Yes. A little bit easier. He's there, right? Uh, and so, but now she was not, she is overjoyed at yeah. his vocation. Right. Uh, I want to make sure that's clear. But there's a little sorrow Sure. That she's essentially like a religious life, especially the, uh, the one he's chosen. I mean, it's like she's saying goodbye to him right. for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And if she you had know? said that to him, if she had said, gosh, I wish you had just been a diocesan he priest. He could have easily said, don't you know, I, I need to be about my father's business. Right. <laughs> I'm answering his call. And the old Jesuits, that was an old practice. When you first started the novitiate, they had them send a letter to the parent saying, I no longer belong to you. I belong to God. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's hard. That's hard. So so you can see all these different aspects of the sorrow of Mary, especially in this, this sorrow of, of losing the Christ child for three days in the temple. And we can compassionate that. And we have so many examples where where we have suffered loss. But knowing that Mary's our mother and that she loves us and that she's got this incredible capacity uh, to be our mother uh, and also to take all this sorrow and then to turn it into good things, mm. right? To connect it to uh, the Christ suffering and dying on the cross, but ultimately our salvation, how beautiful that is. So this is why this is a powerful, uh, a powerful devotion that we should all uh, uh, ponder uh, and keep in our hearts as we move forward and just... Uh, we need to be reminded how much Mary loves us, how much she's our mother, uh, and how much this sorrow enables her to bring great blessings to this earth. Let's ask for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, Send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.